1: Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all of these states, and the excitement of win Las Vegas is finally in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game offs on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit winbet.com to start winning. up nets fans welcome to Brooklyn buzz i'm nick Faye. with me as always jack manual and jack we're talking about a nets win tonight 123 90 over the orlando magic how are we doing jack to quote my friend rich Kleinman, kd is not from this earth he's not that stat line is not from this earth it's just incredible stuff uh happy to have jack back on the podcast always fun to have the guests but always good to be back with jack as always though you can find the buzz on all streaming platforms jack where do you want to start with this one
2: Nick, let's start with the man himself. Kevin Durant. Eleven and twelve from the field. Hit both of his three throwers, six of seven from the free throw line, five boards, two assists, thirty points. Now I- I'm gonna take credit for this, Nick you know the reason why because I put out last night on Twitter uh, this is via stat news Kevin Durant has shot 56.7% from the field 123 of 217 and 38.2% from 3 21 of 55 in his 11 games this season now those percentages are only going to get better after only missing one goddamn shot tonight Uh, And Rich Kleinman wasn't happy with my wording saying he's the best shooter on Earth. He's like only Earth. And I'm like, all right, my guy from the galaxy in the multiverse. And we're doing some Spider-Man shit. Um, Kevin Durant, man, I I think we're running out of superlatives, but I'm not running out of enjoyment and appreciation for just the goddamn greatness that this man possesses.
1: Yeah, I mean, every shot just feels like it's going to go down. And I think KD did a great job also kind of setting the tone for the Nets. He scored 12 points in the first quarter. Nets took the lead in this one and never looked back. You know, they were in charge of this game the entire time. So KD's just kind of magical. On a night where it's it's really strange, though, is because on a night where he only missed one field goal, his handle was really sloppy and also he just had a couple passes that were really off too like he felt like he couldn't get a good grip of the basketball on non-shooting plays but then on shooting plays it was like all right this is perfect it's going down every time it's just really interesting
2: it's incredible like he's i remember sort of saying like the comments about the wilson ball and stuff and everyone yep. just like I mean, it's different in an adjustment and stuff and you can just tell that katie is and again, this is us prognosticating and sort of interpreting where we think he's at. But he just seems to be in a real settled space. And I remember him saying in a post game that I think it was after the Raptors game, he was asked like, you know, where are you at now? Are you better? Blah 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 blah. And he's just like, I'm in a good mental space right now. And I think that for more than anything, that's being reflected you know, in in the physical returns that he's producing on the basketball court. I know when we feel good mentally, and you know, we're having a good time. Things are happening good in life. Your marriage is going well. I'm doing well with the the kids that I'm teaching or whatever. It just feels better when you're sort of, you know, vibing with the hustle. So uh, he is producing at an all-world level. And, you know, the MVP is going to be a hot race. But uh, if Kevin Durant keeps doing what he does, it's going to be hard to deny him.
1: Yeah, 100%. And just, like, I think we heard some stuff from KD, like, this past offseason and the offseason prior just talking about, like, he's very comfortable where he's at and like who he's trying to compete with is himself and being the best version of Kevin Durant. I think you see that. And that's why you're continuing to see like growth in his game. And he's playing literally the best basketball of his career at age 33 post Achilles. It just doesn't really make much sense, you know, scientifically. And he's just getting better. And it's hard to say that he's going to slow down because it's not like any of the reasons that he's playing so well are dictated by athleticism.
2: Yeah, and look, we obviously talk about the rules in relation to James Harden and other players and stuff, but Kevin Durant is is thriving, truly, truly thriving. And another guy that's defying medical science, Nick, is LaMarcus Aldridge because, D Lord, 9 yeah. of 16 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3, he's taken, he's taken your advice, continu- continuing to roll with it, plus 29 and 21 points from him, also had a block. It has been... What more can we say about LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick?
1: Yeah, I mean, he's been a much-needed scoring boost for this team. Obviously, the Nets won tonight in blowout fashion, but he's just been that third score for them. You know, you thought Joe Harris would probably be that guy. I think LaMarcus Aldridge has really been that guy behind Kevin Durant and James Harden, who's been a little inconsistent, but had a nice night tonight. And Aldridge is just shooting at a ridiculous rate. Like, KD's shooting at a ridiculous rate, but LaMarcus Aldridge, I believe, is 37 years old, and it just feels like he's not missing shots. Like, and they're just... Just like it's nothing, you know what I mean? He's just stepping into it, like, all right, this is something I've been doing my whole life. No reason I can't continue to knock it down. And three of five from three is like the three-point stroke looks confident and consistent.
2: Confident and consistent, but is he's showing that in every facet of his game? Continued to be a solid defensive force and just sturdy and physical presence. I know listening to other people, they're not really giving him the credit that he deserves, but. Right now, he'd be, you know, one of the contenders with, like, probably Tyler Hero, Jordan Clarkson, yeah. as a 6 of the year contender because you base it off what they do in terms of their points. And he's probably one of the best scorers coming off the bench in the NBA. It doesn't matter his position. Um, and he's also just been invaluable to the team. He's closing a lot of games. Um, and in the absence of Kyrie Irving, who is busy at Seton Hall, I believe it was, uh, for a college game, LaMarcus um, Aldridge has stepped in and filled that scoring um, the scoring void with the with the plum he's been absolutely tremendous and it's it's weird. I, I, there might be some sort of vibe, Nick, with, with KD and L.A. They're sort of just like, yeah. you know, they've got the, obviously, they've got the, the college alarm. Um, you can see, obviously, KD was the, a, a major force in, in, in bringing Marcus Aldridge back. They have a pretty nice chemistry on the court together. They're pretty low-key sort of dudes. You know, they just do their work. They're not really, you know, fussing and, and yeah. many histrionics about it like it's like a LeBron James or a Russell Westbrook. They just do the work, do the business. And they just seem to have a love and a purity for this game that is just an absolute treat to watch and a treat to have on this team.
1: Yeah, I wonder if there is something there. Like, both, it's weird that both guys are playing so well. They're obviously friends. They both played at Texas. Like, I don't know. It's just something weird. Maybe they're just putting in extra work or they're competing with each other from mid-range a little bit. And both guys make it look so effortless. You know what I mean? It's just a very, for LaMarcus, it's like a flick of the wrist, like we talked about with Lucas on uh, the last recap. And then also for KD, it's just a very just smooth, like natural motion. It's just like these guys are meant to play basketball and really just shoot really efficiently i mean Lamarcus is even crazier to an extent because he's 37 like who thought he would shoot this way and play this well at this age and like not look washed like he's obviously not in the prime of his career athletically but he still looks very good
2: yeah he ain't even in the rinse cycle yet my guy like he is far far from it he's you know there's still plenty on the dish and i'm still hungry for more la and you know is it the longhorns the texas longhorns is that right now Yep. Yeah, well, I'm long horny for both of these guys because, <laughs> dear Lord, absolutely love what they're doing. But uh, who else did you LaMarcus. want to touch on the
1: One more thing on LaMarcus. He also had a nice little, like, inside post move tonight. We haven't necessarily seen a ton of those. It's been a lot of mid-range stuff, and I like that. Like, you got the skinny Mo Bamba, who, who's bulked up, but still took him inside, got that hook shot. I think that's something you could see him go to a little bit more when he gets more mismatches and when guys are playing, James Harden specifically, playing more aggressive and getting those switches.
0: Yeah, uh,
2: he's not going to be a three-level scorer in the way that Kevin Durant is, but he can still use his strength to yep. you know, overpower guys and, and get into the post in that sort of respect and not necessarily fade away. And the reason really such the
1: spacing of that weak unit, like the weak unit that they play. Obviously, you know what I'm talking about with the Carter, Bembray, Mills, uh, Millsap and Aldridge. Like They need him to shoot threes with that unit.
2: Yeah, normally that would be Harden and, and, and Kyrie would be the one staggered with KD, but yep. Marcus is just playing the way that he is. Uh, if if Kyrie comes back, man, watch out. The offense is only going to go up and up.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
3: You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
2: Nick, James Harden in saying that, 6-11 from the field tonight, only won a four from three, did get to the line five times, uh, hit, all, hit four of them, sorry, uh, had 11 boards, had a triple-double, had 11 assists, two steals, 17 points, did have six turnovers. What did you think of this performance from James Harden, Nick?
1: I liked it. I thought this was another building block performance. You saw him aggressive in the first half of this game, attacking one-on-ones, especially with smaller, smaller guards like Cole Anthony. He was like, all right, you know, I might not have the speed, but let me use my handles, get that step, kind of put him on my hip and then attack the rim. And then he did something in this game that we've been kind of asking for him to do since we kind of learned about the quote-unquote new rules. And that was play a little bully basketball. Instead of looking for the contact in the paint, he created the contact. That included like bodying up Wendell Carter and then finishing inside. And I think that's something he needs to do especially to mix it up and this has kind of been the case as we've noticed when he's looking to score and be aggressive and not looking for the call he's getting the calls obviously only five free throws but still most of those came on plays where he was being aggressive rather than trying to finesse to the free throw line
2: yeah definitely that play that that mets clips bloke uh posted really good clip really good twitter page as well i would gotta follow it um, Love that guy. <laughs> <laughs> when i saw it i'm like I remember posting, uh, I can't remember, it was a week ago or whatever on my own profile. James Harden bullying Drew Holiday on a really similar move where he just overpowered him because he obviously doesn't have the burst. You know, that he has, he's had his in previous physical primes as he worked his way into conditioning. But he's as strong as ever. And, you know, obviously, Lucas has been a big proponent for some of his post-play, and we're seeing that a little bit more, too. But he can be bully ball James now. And I think we're starting to see some wrinkles to his game. You know, he's taking a few middies here and there. He's taking some catch and shoots. I um, he's becoming... It's almost like he's adapting to the environment. He's like sort of like a chameleon and going, okay, what can I do here? All right, I know I can do this. I'm going to maintain my three level scoring and maybe become a more competent player in so many other fashions. I think he's working his way into it. I know a lot of people have gone off the James Harden bandwagon. But, Nick, did tonight give you hope or a glimpse of things that are possibly sustainable going forward against some of the better teams when we come up against, you know, like the Warriors in a couple of days' time?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, like you said, Jack, it's kind of him adapting, but then also still conditioning himself at the same time because I think, like, you see sometimes in the first half, more so in the Chicago game rather than this game, like he'll have the juice and then he'll run out of it. You know, this game, I didn't really feel like he ran out of juice, but he was definitely more aggressive to start. And if you want to be aggressive the entire game, he's just going to have to be in better shape. And I think that's just something that's going to come across the season. And like you said, too, is just other ways to kind of attack. Even if he doesn't necessarily get that burst back, he is, you know, arguably the strongest guard in the NBA. Like, I can't really think of a guard that's stronger than him. Like, he bodies in the post. So, you know, James Harden, I think, will be fine. Just really getting his body in shape. And I think some of that, too, is like he talks about playing himself in the shape. And obviously, basketball is a sport with a ton of cardio. But at the end of the day, I think, too, he probably needs to improve his diet. I don't know what James Harden eats, but it just feels like he's getting older. His metabolism might be slowing down, and that just might be an area where he needs to be better.
2: Yeah, as a man in his early 30s who just turned 31, um, I still indulge in a few too many donuts, but <laughs> can't help it. I don't need to play basketball night after night after night and be a, a, a leader of a championship winning team. And look, James Harden can get there because we've seen in previous seasons where he was like skinny James. You know, there's yeah. different iterations of James Harden where, you know, there was, I think, an athletic piece from Kelly Eco, And I'm just like, I think he was in the either the LA desert or Phoenix, or Arizona desert. And he looks skinny as hell. So look, Whatever needs to happen for James Harden, I I think that he's going to get there and and I'm I'm hopeful of it. You know, some of the play that we're seeing night after night, I want to see it against the better teams to go, okay, cool, I'm confident that when Kyrie comes back, it's, it's ultimately on James Harden to continue lifting this team. We're going to probably repeat those notions, but look, the Nets had a 33-point win tonight against the Orlando Magic, one of the worst teams in the NBA, but a dominant display with two of their best players, and probably the Marcus Aldridge and their third best player, leading the team, and yet the role players shipping in with some points and some threes and some and rebounding and, and such around the wings. That's what's going to be sustainable, and that's what's going to lead to you know, success. You know, When we saw the best version of the Nets in, in that Boston Celtics series, one of the most dominant displays of player possible we've ever seen, James Allen was getting triple doubles, Curry was Getting 25 points with efficiency of 80 from the field, and Katie was doing the goddamn same thing. So, if James Harden can be back at his best, Lamarcus Aldridge can can somehow even a lesser, a somewhat lesser version of Lamarcus Aldridge would still be incredible. Um, then the Nets are going to be in a really good spot, and I think that some people are writing them up a little bit too early. I Understand their misgivings from an objective standpoint, but I think the the gift that we have is that we watch them so meticulously that we can see, okay, there's things here that I'm like, okay, James Harden can do that. Well, he might be able to add that to his game. KD is going to be KD. LaMarcus Aldridge, that's going to be a nice presence to have in the postseason and in big matchups at the regular season. So, look, I just want this to be sustainable for James I want him to get his conditioning right and whatever the other things off the court right like you said Nick uh, but I'm confident because I, I think he wants a championship more than anyone else um, and if he can lead us to it uh, then it's going to be a, a big thing for his resume and it's not going to come in nights where you're beating the Orlando Magic by 33 points but I also do think that and you know I listened to the to the buzz um, the, the previous was that you did to recap at the Bulls game. I think that that got a little bit out of context just to sort of provide my personal perspective because like Durant, Harden, and everyone else was saying, it was one bad quarter, and you could tell that the Nets were gassed after you know the the sort of road trip and going up against the Raptors in, in a really nice performance. I think a lot of people just looked at the scoreline and were like, okay, well, the, the Nets aren't the Nets. And it's just like, if we actually look at it contextually and from a wider perspective and with some sense of objectivity and maybe I'm being subjective as a fan here, I ultimately think that that was one quarter aberration. If you take, say, the last seven quarters against the Magic and the Bulls, the Nets have been really good, and include that Toronto Raptors game as well. I think that there are really positive signs that they, as they continue to work into themselves, and they're not dominant offensively like they were, but the defense has tuned up a little bit to help with that, and I think that the offense is starting to get there. Do you agree, Nick?
1: Yeah, I do. I do, Jack. And I also think like anybody who's making like firm takes about a team like this early in the season, like I wouldn't, if we're having this discussion about James Harden on game like 35, yeah, then I'm probably going to be more concerned. But like we've talked about it for like two weeks that he needs to play himself in the shape. It's not magically just going to happen overnight. It's going to take some time. He's going to have to take some time to find some rhythm. And I think overall in that Bulls game, it was really, like you said, a bad fourth quarter. You know, the Nets just... Let let down a little bit and the Bulls turned up and they just looked gas and they did made a couple mental mistakes. And the next thing you knew, the Bulls were up 15 and then the game was pretty much over. So I, I'm not really that upset about losing to the Bulls on the second out of a back to back. I also think the Bulls are a pretty good team. Like they have talented scorers and guys hit tough shots.
2: I agree. and this, you know, The Nets aren't going to go 73 and nine, seventy-four and 8. Look, they might with Kevin Reiki's playing the way that he is, uh, but he's also not a one man show. And while I t- totally disagree with, the, I think it was Josh Ebley on Twitter sort of putting out that, you know, KD is basically like he was back in OKC, I'm just like, let's just chill with some of the grand proclamations 12 games into the season. But another grand proclamation that
1: I heard. I got is from one more note. Jack, a guy that we James haven't. Park- heard- One sec, Jack. I just want to throw this in for James Harden while we're still on the topic. Uh, He did an amazing pass to Bruce Brown that I just want to give him credit for. But also, I think when Claxton comes back, you could see things starting to open up maybe a little bit because they'll have his rim roll or somebody who can catch those oops. And then also I think there has to be some talk about like the starting lineup having its own issues, like in terms of Bruce Brown and Blake not giving you a ton offensively. And I think teams this year are keying on that a little bit more. They're like, all right, Blake corner three, that's cool. Bruce Brown floater, we'll live with that. And that's kind of taking away from James Harden because they're just giving him more attention and he's not the best version of himself. So it's just kind of putting more pressure on him.
2: No, I agree. And I remember looking up, I think, last night and a little bit of research that I did in terms of some of the lineups that the Nets had in terms of their starters. It was interesting to sort of see where that it's played the majority of the large majority of minutes. Let me quickly find it again. But obviously, I think, like you mentioned, the offense with, with, with Blake is falling off a cliff a little bit. It's incredibly inconsistent. It's still good, which and is crazy, unru-
1: but it's not as good as we're used to agreed, and I'm not sure if this
2: takes into account tonight's matchup, but they have played 125 minutes together in comparison to the second most lineup, which has 25 minutes they only have an 103 offensive rating, a really sturdy and solid defensive rating of 97.3 for, you know, 5.7 net rating, but that offense is is bad, that defense is really good, so, and and obviously that's where you get iterations, where you sub it in LaMarcus Aldridge and that lineup, and obviously probably juices it up a little bit, or you get some extra space with Paddy Mills um, and and that's why you know we're seeing that experimentation and the effectiveness but they've been solid enough but you know I, I wouldn't be surprised and I wouldn't hate to see clacks out there uh, with the starters obviously we're, we're seeing some news about him ramping up a, a word that we a phrase that we've heard quite a bit of, of of the Brooklyn Nets and some of their players in, in previous seasons so hopefully he gets right because he can add a dimension to this team yep. yes he wasn't there but we now have the context um, that we know that he just wasn't healthy. And a healthy Nicholas Claxton, we've seen that version of him and how he can transform this team You know, with his defensive switchability. He's the only rim runner. He's the only probably rim protector that we have as well. So uh, there's a lot of gaps that he can fill uh, as a player. He's not going to solve everything. He's um, a, a still an incredibly young, raw prospect. Uh, but I'm excited to see his return. Obviously excited, hopefully, for Kyrie Irving's return at some point in time. But yeah, the, the starting five has its issues. Uh, but... I was going to, about to say, Nick, about Joe Harris, who's obviously a part of that starting five, has been really, really good of late, um, including his defense and his three-point shooting. You know, tonight it doesn't you know, uh, go off the you know, screen, off the page for you, but three or four from three, three or five from the field, nine points, three boards. I heard John Hollinger. I was listening to one of him and uh, Nate Duncan on their podcast. And he was comparing John, he was saying Joe Harris hasn't got himself going. It's basically Milwaukee Joe Harris. And that is just the most casual thing I've ever heard. Yes, to start the season, Joe Harris had his issues. I think in the first seven games, five or six, seven games, he was at around 33 to 34%. And then the past five, six games. He's been 50 to 55% from field. He's only going to go up with nights like tonight. So I, I I, I, I'm i demanding an apology for my former boyfriend, for my ex, who I've still got very yeah. close ties to uh, in Joe Harris because I think that Joe deserves some credit for bouncing back and individually and also the way that he's impacting the team. You know, we can see Katie being like, Guy, my guy, shoot it! You're one of the best three-point shooters we have in the league. Just take those shots. We'd rather you go four of eleven like you did in previous matchups because he's still taking those shots. You know, it's still showing that he has those that confidence. So I think the way that Joe has been playing of late deserves a bit of credit, Nick.
1: Yeah, I do, too. I think he's playing well. I think it's just kind of the result is with Bruce Brown and Blake Griffin not really scaring the defense. It's like, all right, we're going to stay attached to Joe. And obviously Harden's not playing his best basketball and Kyrie's not out there. So it's easier to stick to him and it's just harder for him to get those open threes. And like you said, he doesn't love taking the contested ones. Maybe he could take a couple more, but I think he's doing a good job of kind of staying within his game. We'd like to see him do more, but at the same time, that's not really what Joe Harris does.
2: And, and what we sort of said in previous matchups and in previous games where he's played poorly is that he's trying to do too much. He's not showing yep. you know, the level of awareness and, and IQ that we know that he does have when he sort of, you know, not restricts himself but plays within his limits and and, yeah. and that's what I think he's doing better lately and at a pretty efficient level. Nick, we've got to shout out probably your guy. I'm going to jump on. I'm normally the guy with nicknames so I'll give you some time you know, between now and the Pelicans game to think of a DeAndre Bembry style. Maybe we get a t-shirt for the guy going but uh, the man is, is shooting as well as Joe Harris. That's why I sort of segued into him. 18 minutes from tonight, 4 of 5 from the field, 3 of 3 from 3, That's uh, so 11 points, 3 assists, had a board as well. Before tonight, me and you were chatting in the DMs, he was 4 of 7 from there, and obviously the volume isn't there. Uh, but now he's 7 of 10 on, on the season, which means he's 70% from 3, albeit on a small amount of volume. But dear Lord... DeAndre Bembry might be the marksman that we never thought we had. Who needs Kyrie Irving when this guy shooting three the way that he
1: is? I mean, I think it's important, though, that he's starting with so much confidence from three, especially a guy who's not been a great three-point shooter his entire career. And, like... Guys get hot and have outlier seasons like this could be the start of an outlier season. I don't think DeAndre Bembry like magically became a good three point shooter, but it could just be that type of confidence thing. And he is an NBA player and he's hitting well from the corners, which is the easiest three point shot. And if he's playing defense at the level in which he's playing defense and he can shoot 36 percent from three, I think the Nets would be ecstatic. Just because of like what he provides on ball and off ball defensively, and then also just being an athlete on the floor. Another thing too, he does pretty well is like some of his help defense, just digging down at the ball for guys that are lesser defenders is very helpful on the floor. Very aware. Yeah, the Nets,
2: no, de- definitely. I think he's been an incredible part of the defensive identity that the Nets have. They don't force a lot of turnovers, but when they do, a lot of them are because of DeAndre yep. Embry. I think that he, you know, just he. He might be a bit over a really good time, he might get a few fouls, but I I, I prefer that. I you know, I like the physicality that he does bring. And you know, as you're saying, Nick. He only, across his career, there's only one season where he shot 36% or greater, and that was in his sophomore season for Atlanta, and he only had 1.2 attempts there, 36.7%. Other than that, it's been under 30% and actually under 29%. So, look, if he can get to that and, you know, he's averaging one or two a game, he's taking the right shots. He's not forcing it. His form looks good. Um, I don't hate it. Like, there might be nights where he goes 0 of 0 or 0 of 4. Fine. Just just keep doing it, Benbury, because... The, I think it's more for, for his individual confidence to be able to keep taking those shots, keep seeing the ball go through the ring. Um, and he's obviously, it, it gives another dimension to his offense because he can be a bit wild, a bit chaotic at times. But I don't mind that in any stretch. I think you know it's hard, it's been harnessed to a really important fashion for this team, especially defensively. But yeah, I'm, I'm on the bandwagon, I'm on the hive, I'm on whatever other form of transportation. You know, it was a Larry Nance jet ski last year and then the offseason. You got to think of the mode of transportation that we get on for DeAndre Bembry because um, we're going to need a lot of space for it, Nick, because I think a lot of fans are loving what he's doing for this Nets team.
1: Yeah, I feel like he'd be on a quad or something just because he's a little chaotic, (laughs) you know what I mean? But uh, also, like, another thing about Bembry, he's one of the best Nets in terms of, like, attacking the rim. You know what I mean? After like the star guys, like he can get to the rim and actually finish. So if he's knocking down at least a respectful rate from three, a couple closeouts turn into a couple easy layups.
2: Uh, yeah, exactly. So he uh, obviously needs to keep doing that, keep doing what he does best. Um, but who else did you want to touch on? We obviously touched on probably a lot of the major performers. Which other guys sort of stood, st- stood out to you? Was this Javon Carter's best game as a rule on that?
1: Yeah, I think it probably was. I think, you know, the shooting numbers look a little worse after he played in garbage time, and put up some bad shots. But I think during the the minutes that counted, he hit a couple shots, knocked down a couple mid-rangers, hit, down, hit a three, played, you know, good defense, and he just looked okay out there. And I think that's all you really want from Javon Carter at this point. You don't want him to be amazing or anything like that. But if he can just have a solid performance in which he did tonight, I think that's okay with the fans.
2: No, absolutely. I think that OK is is probably an outstanding. The one to be bad, yeah. No, and, and he's going to give you defense. It's just like, is he going to be a net negative op or on offense? He has been in basically ten or eleven games this yep. year, and this is the first game where we saw him actually hit some of those three balls, like we know he can. Also dropped five assists. You know, had a steal. You know, plus twenty three, ten points for him. This is what you want out Javon Carter, and you know that's what he provided in in spurts in Phoenix as well. Oh, on the same podcast, nigga, I like bringing, you know, other stuff to, to the table and throwing some questions at you. They were debating whether the Nets should have traded Landry Shamit in the first place. Discounting that the the contractual elements and such, would you rather have Landry Schammett uh, as, you know, what we know of him and his Brooklyn tenure, what he's doing in Phoenix right now, or would you rather have Javon Carter and uh, Dayron Sharp, King Sharp?
1: Oh, okay. If Sharps included, I think that makes it a little bit more interesting. If it was just straight up Javon Carter and Landry Shamit, I think I'd probably keep Shamit, especially with Kyrie not being here. You know, Shamit can knock down some threes. We saw him have some good offensive stretches. Um, Can handle the basketball, I think, probably better than Javon Carter, honestly, in terms of, like, running the show. Not that he's a pure point guard either. Ah, man, that's tough. I think, like, when you look at the contract stuff, I think it's a little easier just because the Nets weren't going to pay Landry Shamit that. So we're not including the contract. I probably would want Shamid, but I think the contract's a big part to do with it. I, I think Sharp is like there's potential, but it's not like he's guaranteed to be a, a NBA starter at any point, or even guaranteed to be a good NBA rotation guy.
2: No, and, and we'll wait and see. You know, he got some you know, a bit of junk time with with Killicam tonight, which is always fun um, when the Nets do blow teams out. We love watching uh, our young rooks go at it. But yeah, a, a part of me is hoping that Javon Carter has a similar sort of trajectory to what you know, Landry Shamit had where Landry Shaman struggled to shoot the three ball until around January or February last year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, And if Javon Carter can give you that, if he's starting to actually see the ball go through the hoop, get the confidence from three, then it's like, okay, now we actually probably can count ourselves winners from this trade. And, you know, we just want him to give us something offensively. Um, And it doesn't have to be facilitation, creating mid-range shots or whatever. It's just hit your three balls. And two or five from there tonight, and like you said, much more effective when he wasn't taking extra shots uh, in junk time. Hopefully this is a building block for him because, you know, I'm not one of those guys. I'm generally an optimist by nature. You know, I'll occasionally get in my feels when I get on this podcast a little bit. (laughs) But I generally want all the Nets players to just play well and and contribute to this team in a positive fashion. But uh, unfortunately, you know, for Javon Carter and probably Blake Griffin, who we can lead into a little bit, I guess, Nick, you know, it's been a bit inconsistent. And, you know, what, what was up with Blake? Do you think that... It's a conditioning issue. Do you think it's just an inconsistency thing? Um, he obviously had a, a, such an important night uh, for us against the Raptors. Um, is this just what we're going to get out of Blake from now on? Do we need a Nicholas Clarkson back so we can start resting some of these big guys? Does Paul Millsap deserve some more minutes? You know, the first night, again, he had 19 minutes and a lot of that it was junk time too. What are your thoughts, I guess, on the, the big man rotation, Blake Griffin included?
1: Yeah, I think Blake has definitely played poorly to start the year, at least offensively. I think defensively he's been about what you expected. You know, obviously he's not a lead on there, but he'll take some charges, make some good plays, commit some dumb fouls. But um, Blake's three-point shot just is not on. There's just a lot of hesitation. The rhythm isn't there. I don't know how long Nash is going to give him. I think... At some point, like, if you have the opportunity, it's a back-to-back. I would have liked to see this against Chicago. You rest Blake. You start Millsap and see how that looks. Or even, you know, when Clax is back, you do that just to kind of see. Because I don't think Blake is giving them enough to, you know – warrant starting him you know in that situation because i think they could have guys that maybe provide different things and i think just his lack of three-point shot and then playing with bruce is tough it kind of reminds me of last year with deandre jordan on the floor with bruce just there's no spacing and i think that's shutting down things for james harden a little bit inside and same thing for joe harris i think you're trying to open up that paint obviously the nets don't have the roster at this exact moment to play five out but that's a closer style to what they want to play and i think you just you need guys to hit threes. And I, I don't think it's like, I think Nash has a lot of trust in Blake and, you know, he's earned that spot based off what he did last year. But at some point, I think you have to consider changing it. I don't think it's a huge deal or maybe it's just an early sub for Blake and he's not playing as many minutes.
2: Yeah, look, I think that's the the credits that Blake Griffin has earned, you know, have been warranted, you know, yep. what he did in that Milwaukee series was incredible. You know, he was a big reason why the Nets were even in it in, in a lot yep. of respects, especially defensively. But, you know, the the aberrational three-point shooting, that might have been, you know, what it was. It was an aberration. And, you know lucas puts out some good videos on twitter talking about and just some good analysis of you know three-point shot we talk about it a little too you, know, you can sort of tell when it's going in you know is he shooting on the way up is he shooting on the way down is he hit is he, tonight he a lot hit. of
1: them were offline like they weren't even online like the way he shoots line drives like if you're slightly off to the left it's just going to hit the side of the rim and be nothing
2: <laughs> yeah and so look we're hopefully he gets back to his best but you know paul Millsap, you know it wouldn't hurt to just throw him with the starters and uh, i think because the nets have been winning games you know Steve Nash is, seems to be experimenting less, but doing things that are just like, okay, let's go with our all-bench lineup, which yeah. is like, okay, well, we, the experimentation that Nets fans want is like, you know, Millsap a bit more, you know, a bit more the Marcus Dordridge at the start or whatever, and it's just like, why give us the experimentation that we want, Steve, and, and look, he's been coaching pretty well, um, you, you can't deny the results, and that's a winning games and, and that's ultimately what matters, but... Yeah, we'll have to wait and see
1: how that does pan out. Can yeah, I say this too, Jack? Sorry to cut you off. I just like Lamarcus. I think you definitely wouldn't start because he's been so good off the bench and kind of giving that bench shoot at secondary, uh, giving it scoring and then being a secondary scorer when he's with the Stars. So I think it would really be Millsap or Claxton. And I, I wouldn't rule out Claxton. The only thing that hurts, though, is because Nick Claxton is just not a good screener. Blake's not an amazing screener, but he can at least, you know, give you a step or something, especially off-ball. Where Clax isn't providing you that, obviously, at Bruce Brown, but, like, how much can you ask Bruce Brown to do, you know what I mean, in terms of setting a million screens?
2: Yeah, look, uh, I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> look, at the, look at those goddamn shoulders. But, you know, Nick, are you worried about Patty Mills' offense at all? Because I think some people have been thrown out, you know, he's taken some bad shots. You know, he's still assisting and he's still being an effective player. He got to the line three times tonight. I think that we're going to get a level of inconsistency from Paddy. You can't expect him to be, you know, one of the best guys in the league and always in this three ball and hit 10 threes in a row. Um, But I think that his worst is never bad. That's what I'll say. And with your answer, I would tread very carefully.
1: (laughs) No, I think he finds other ways to have an impact. I think from a scoring perspective right now, he's struggling. I think he just, like kind of not being able to find the rhythm or finding his spots you know when he's playing with the stars and getting those catch and shoot opportunities he looks the best it's like when he's playing with that second unit I think it's just maybe too much attention on him he's not getting any extra space and then obviously the paint isn't open and I think he at times is predetermined to take some bad shots instead of just kind of going with the flow occasionally like kind of forcing himself realizing like hey I might be the best offensive player or second best offensive player out here. I need to score the basketball. So I think, you know, maybe he's pressing. I don't know exactly. You obviously know more about Patty Mills than I ever will. What do you think he needs to do to kind of find his rhythm? Is there another way he can get some easy buckets other than the three-point shooting?
2: I I think he can be unlocked better when he's not playing alongside Javon Carter. Yeah. I think playing with a Bruce, playing with a Joe, playing with a James – um, any of those sort of guys is going to be able to allow him to be an ancillary and a role player, yep. which is what he has been his entire career in San Antonio and in Portland. That's when we see the best version of Paddy Mills. That's when he was shooting the ball well, when he was out there with James Hunt, when he was out there with Joe Harris. Those sort of combinations that allow Patty to be himself, allow him to you know, move the ball when he's out there with the Marcus Aldridge a lot of the time. Yeah, it works because we know their chemistry, but if it's being clogged up by playing alongside Sapp by playing alongside Javon Carter and Bemery and stuff, it doesn't allow Patty to be the best version of himself because He's, he's probably the best three-point shooter out of that line. Of, and look, you can make it argument for maybe Marcus Aldridge, but the, there's literally no spacing there. Um, yeah. And you know, spacing aplenty plenty is, is what this team needs to operate um, at its most efficient best. So look, Penny Mills is still playing fine. You know, He's probably not in the six-man-of-the-year race right now because uh, his former teammate has done that. But I, I expect him to have a, some hot shooting nights sooner rather than later uh, and the, the Nets Twitter to really get back on board with him.
1: Yeah, I think, like you said, Jack, he'd be better off getting more minutes along this, alongside the Stars. Like, he looks better in that position rather than in some of the other positions. So um, we'll see what happens with Patty. I think also it's just kind of him finding his spots. I saw uh, tonight he had a nice drive on Wagner, and that kind of opened up the offense a little bit more, and I think that's just something he can do. Obviously, he's not an amazing finisher because of his size, but even just kind of dribbling around and kind of getting some paint touches would be huge. But um just touching on paul Millsap real quick is like we didn't see him a ton in terms of like real minutes it was a lot of garbage time stuff but again still kind of doing some different things on the floor and i think he's moving better than blake griffin looks more confident three-point shot and that's kind of the reason that we do want to see him a little bit more
2: yeah definitely so hopefully we get more paul Millsap. Patty Mills utilized in the best fashion. You know he's able to drive and finish around guys that aren't superior rim protectors, you know, like what yep. Orlando have. Even if Mo Bomb was out there, probably would have been tough for him. Um, so yeah, I think Millsap and Mills, you know the the two M's, M and M. I'm looking forward to seeing them utilized in a better fashion by Steve Nash because I think that's when we can get the best version of them. Um, and hopefully that happens soon because you know we we want the experimentation of those guys because we know what they can give this team. We have high expectations of them and you know what you get out of Blake now. You know, you're getting a worse... The best version of Blake is what we saw last year and, you know, iterations where he's taken charges and diving 40 feet across the, the hardwood. So, yeah, hopefully Paddy Mills and Paul Millsap are given the opportunities to utilise their skills uh, in a more effective fashion.
1: Yeah. And I think that'd be Steve Nash kind of experimenting with lineups, more staggering type stuff with like, all right, you know, Katie's working with Millsap and Mills or something like that. And you give Harden, maybe Blake a little bit with that second unit stuff, just kind of messing things, messing them with things a little bit more. But Jack,
4: always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody for listening. Check the buzz on all stream platforms. Whether you're a world class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top notch performance.